I would invite you to turn to Luke chapter 3. You know, last week was Easter Sunday. It was a glorious, it was a wonderful Sunday of a full house. It was a wonderful Sunday of worship and of baptisms and of just celebrating the promise and the hope that we have of new life in our resurrected Lord. But the question that we have to ask on this Sunday is does Easter really have any impact on our lives at all? Holy Week was a busy week for our staff, for many of you. We had, of course, Palm Sunday service and then we hosted the Wednesday noon luncheon for the Norman Ministerial Fellowship. We had Thursday night service, Friday night service. We had a Saturday morning event for our children. And then we had Easter Sunday wonderful service. We had Sunday supper. And when I got to Monday, I had this terrible thought. <laughs> Whew, I'm glad that's over with. <laughs> but is that how we really feel? Well, I'm glad that Easter Sunday's over with. You know, we'll have to go through it again next year. It was good while it lasted, but you know, Easter's over and it's time to get back to life and church the way it's supposed to be, right? You see, it seems that too many of us, we live our lives in this cycle between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We experience the, the trials and the struggles, and certainly there are, are trials and struggles in life, we, but we find ourselves living in the defeat of, of sin and of temptation. And we just move from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, and then it's Good Friday again, and, and we forget that Easter is not about a day on the calendar. Easter is about a new creation. Easter is about a new life. If you remember last week, we drew attention to the fact that Jesus' resurrection took place on Sunday morning, on the first day of the week. And we reflected that in John chapter 1, that, that John reminds us, and he sets forth that Jesus is the Word of God. And in Genesis 1, we understand and we remember that the Word of God, that Jesus Himself is intimately involved in what I'd call the first creation, the creation of the world. So on Easter Sunday, I believe what is being proclaimed is that Jesus, the resurrected Word, the, the living Word, that Jesus is now intricately involved in a new creation, a new creation that takes place through His resurrection on Easter Sunday. And so, we no longer find ourselves a, a part of this Good Friday, Easter Sunday cycle. But now, we find ourselves as a part of a new week. A new week of creation. A new week of creation that is characterized by God's redeeming work, by God's reconciling work, by His transforming work in us and in our world. You see, because of Easter Sunday, we can experience Easter Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the week with wonderful possibilities. So on this 
Sunday after Easter, I want to reiterate this question. Is Easter simply a day of remembrance? A day of looking backwards? Or is Easter a new beginning? Is Easter a new beginning for today and for the rest of our lives? Well, certainly. Easter Sunday is the day that we remember and we celebrate our Lord's victory over death, His resurrection and the hope that that brings, and and to commemorate that and to, to mark that on a calendar to celebrate once a year is a wonderful thing. But the question remains, is that all that Easter is? Or is Easter the realization that we are part of a new creation and that each and every day we can experience new life and new beginnings and new things? But then the question for us becomes, if Easter is more than just a a day on the calendar, how do we experience it? How how do we live in this transforming power? How do we begin? What does does Monday look like? I think we've got Easter Sunday down pretty good. But but what does Monday look like and what does Tuesday look like? And so over these next weeks, I I want us to to ask that question. And I want us to begin to, to practice these, I think, insights and things that God would lead us to as part of a new creation in this world and in this place. Where do we begin? Let's begin with Jesus. Sounds like a good place. And more specifically, let's begin with with His baptism. That that, that seems like a significant marker in the life of Jesus' life. It seems like His baptism is is that key milestone in the, the life of Jesus, in His earthly life, that marks something significant and special. Something new in, in the life of Jesus takes place through that baptism experience that we heard about and that we refer to in Luke chapter 3. Well, certainly some of the other Gospels are a little more detailed in that experience, but Luke, who we're going to be looking at over these next weeks, Luke shares this, particularly of Jesus' baptism. Verse 21, he says, Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him. What's going on here? Why, Why was Jesus baptized? Why did Jesus have the need to be baptized? Of course, this is in the context of John the Baptist's ministry. And John the Baptist came preaching a a baptism of repentance, of repentance from our sin and of a turning back to God for the people of Israel, the the Hebrew people. Well, we'd want to stop real quick right there. Well, how can Jesus be baptized in that way? He, He was a man without sin, Scripture tells us. So how can He be receiving a, a baptism of repentance? And so we ask the question, what, what does this baptism mean? What does it represent? For you see, it can't be this baptism of, of cleansing or of repentance that John was proclaiming and teaching. Well, there, there's a lot of reasons and ideas that people have postulated. Maybe it was so that Jesus, as, as the God-man 
in, in his humanity, wanted to identify with the people. And so he came in, in affirmation of John and of his ministry and of the need of the people of, of that time to repent and to, to turn back to God. Maybe that was part of what Christ was trying to do. Maybe Jesus was working to, to fulfill John's prophecy that one mightier than he would come. And he would be there soon. And so as Jesus comes as a part of John's ministry, John's able to point, here's, here's who I am talking about and referring to. Many would understand the baptism of, of Jesus as the initiation of his earthly ministry. It was marking something new for him. The, the previous 30 years had, had been years of, of growth and maturity for Jesus. The, the pictures that we have of Jesus in Luke's gospel uh, in those early years when he went to the temple is that, that Jesus continued to grow in wisdom and in stature and knowledge and favor with God and with man. And now that, that period is over and something new is beginning. But as we read this passage here in Luke 3, I, I can't help also but believe that God and, and that Jesus are trying to, to show us something unique about their own relationship. Isn't it fascinating that here in, in, Luke, 30, in Luke 3, in the, the beginning, the initiation of Jesus' ministry, that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit coming together in one place to affirm and to bless the role of the Son in His new ministry. The picture of the Holy Spirit descending upon the Son. And in verse 22, the Father blessing the Son, speaking out, You are my beloved Son. In You I am well pleased. Isn't that just like God? To offer His blessing on the front end of the Son's work and life and ministry. The blessing, the love, the pleasure of the Father, you see, is, blessed, is based upon who the Son is. Not upon what the Son does. And, and we need to receive that as an example for us because how many times in our lives, moms and dads and grandparents and, and employers, how many times do we withhold the blessing? We withhold the blessing until our children do what they're supposed to do. And so they grow up all of their lives seeking something that should be rightfully and cheerfully given to them. Son, daughter, you are blessed. You are loved. You bring pleasure to me. And here we have the picture of the Father blessing His Son. You see, Jesus begins His ministry with the blessing of His Father. He doesn't have to earn it. The blessing is the Father's gift to the Son up front. What about you? Have you heard those words of love and of affirmation from the Father as well? I can't tell you how many, how many folks, adults, teenagers, that I visit with that struggle with this idea that they could ever hear from God, Oh, you are blessed, you are loved. I am pleased with you. 
And we seek to try to find that blessing from God, that affirmation from God. We try to earn that. We try to, to work to achieve that. We think, if, if I can just be this good, then, then God can love me. But it, but it works contrary to. How many of us would say, and how many have said to their pastor or to a friend, you know what? God can never love me. God can never bless me. God can never affirm me because of what I've done. And oh, that we would see and we would understand that the Father blessed the Son up front. The Father desires to bless us. Have you received, have, have you welcomed the Father's affirmation and blessing in your own life? The Scripture tells us that each one of us, each one of us are made in the image of God. You are blessed because you are made in the image of God. And there's nothing that you can do that, that takes that away. You are made in the image of God. And then, and then John tells us that because God so loved the world that He sent His only Son to die for us, and that if we would believe, we would have eternal life, we would, we would be saved. God sent His Son that we might receive salvation. We're not responsible to earn our own salvation. We can't do that. We can't earn our own blessing from God. We simply receive what God has done for us. Paul puts it this way, while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinning, while we had turned our back upon God and were living in the midst of our own sin, our own self-worship, our own pleasure-seeking, Christ died for us. Why? Because He loves us. And He desires to bless us. If we would just open our ears and listen and hear what God would have to say to us today. Let's step back. Let's step back from Jesus' baptism and from His blessing. And, and let's consider both of these as a part of the beginning, the, the new week of Easter. In Luke 3, John the Baptist says of Jesus that He, He will come and He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, Easter for all of us begins with this kind of baptism. With the baptism of the Spirit of God with the baptism of fire. And it, it's interesting, as John would say this, he, he says this not in our context of, of New Testament baptism, but in his context of, of Jewish baptism, of the baptism of repentance that, that he is teaching and preaching about. And so he says, there's one that will come, this Messiah, this Jesus, he will come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I can't help but believe this is a, a reference to new life, that there's, there's a new birth that's coming through this baptism as the Spirit of God comes into our lives and brings His power, the power to regenerate, to, to offer newness. Again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, to bring new birth and new life, but also a baptism of fire. Now there's discussion about what, what that may or may not mean. Maybe... Fire refers to a persecution. 
But maybe in the context of John the Baptist, maybe in, in of repentance that he preached, maybe this fire is a picture of the cleansing that takes place as a result of repentance. And while John would say, I baptize you in repentance and, and I can just get you wet, there's one that's coming that, that can literally cleanse and change and burn away that which is chaff in your life. You see, one is coming who will baptize with the Spirit of God and with fire to cleanse and to renew, to restore. Jesus commanded baptism for His followers. And the early church embraced this idea of baptism. And they practiced this with a, a water baptism. A, a water baptism to express physically, outwardly and visibly, this spiritual baptism that, that would take place within all those who would receive this gift. Do you remember your baptism? It is kind of a, a spiritual marker, isn't it? I'll never forget one of the baptisms I was able to do in my previous church in Pottsboro. We were a rural church in the, on Lake Texoma. We used well water to fill our baptistry. And if you remember, I don't know, I had one in, in college. It was a little bitty, oh, it was a little metal thing that came down with some coils and you'd stick it in your, your, your cup of cold water and it would heat it up so you could have hot chocolate or something. Well, we had one of those that heated our baptistry. It was, it was quite a bit bigger, but you'd fill the water up with this like 32 degree water, and then you'd turn on this heater, and hopefully it would heat it up before the next day. Well, it just so happens that on one Sunday, it wasn't that the heater didn't work, it was that the little cover we put on the drain slipped off, and there was no water in the baptistry on Sunday morning. And we had an adult couple, a husband and wife, who were being baptized, and they'd invited all their friends and family to come and be a part of that. And we said to them, you know, we can wait and do this next Sunday, and the water will be a little warmer. No, it'll be fine. <laughs> I knew likewise, <laughs> but I was only getting half wet. So we get into the baptistry, and as we get in, we take a breath, and you can see the expression on their face change from great joy to what have we gotten ourselves into. And, uh, but we celebrated their baptism, and let me assure you, they came up out of the water with a shout, and uh, it was a glorious, wonderful time. It was a significant marker in their lives that they'll always remember, we'll always remember that. Your baptism, I bet, is the same. It may not be quite as dramatic as that, but it's an important time of beginning for you. And certainly we affirm that that gift of salvation comes through this, this baptism that Jesus talks about through the Holy Spirit and with fire. But baptism is that beautiful picture. It's that beautiful expression that the Spirit gives us, that Jesus has given us to mark the beginning of the new creation in our lives. Baptism is that outward way in which we enter into the new covenant that we share with Christ Jesus. Baptism is the Easter experience of identifying with Christ in His death. As I share with those as we go through baptism, as you're standing there in the water, it reflects it. It pictures you before Christ. And then you die to yourself as you, you go underwater. You identify with Christ 
You die to yourself, as Paul would say. And as you are under the water, symbolizing that death, that you are in the tomb, you've died to yourself. And then the next, in that next motion, in that next act, you come up out of the water. Why? To symbolize that now you have experienced that resurrection, that new life in Christ. What a beautiful picture. You see, baptism is that birth announcement. It's not the birth, but it's the birth announcement that a new work has begun in your life. So how do we, how do we get to participate in this gift of baptism? What do we have to do to earn the right? What do we have to do in order to, to, to take the steps to achieve the right to be baptized? Well, you see, that's what's different between Christianity and all the world religions. is that you can't earn this gift. You simply receive it. You receive the grace of God. You, you receive His gift of love and of grace and of mercy as we, we turn from our sins. And in turning from our sins, we turn towards the risen Lord. Christianity is unique from all the religions in the world in that through the gift of Christ, you were declared holy and righteous first. You are saved first. And then, and then as Paul says, you work out your salvation. You don't work for your salvation. You work it out. It has been declared. It has been given to you through the blood of Christ for those who will receive it by faith. As you study the other world religions, as you try to, to discern, is there really any difference between, between us and every other religious group in the world? You'll come to a stark realization that in every other religious practice and group in the world, is you're in a process of earning and working towards that gift of salvation. You're in the process of making sure that, that when your life is over and the scales are loaded with all the good you've done and all the bad that you've done, that you hope and pray that the good outweighs the bad. See, salvation in every other religion is merit-based. Which brings about a life of doubt and surety. Whereas the life in Christ is a life of faith and of grace and of gift. One in which we receive from God. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. Not as a result of being good, or good enough, or your, your good outweighs your bad. Why? So that no one can boast. Have you received that gift? Have, have you understood that you can't be good enough, but that God wants to, to come into your life and say, you are loved and blessed, and I have a gift for you. If by faith you'll receive, if you'll repent and turn from the things of the world, if you'll turn to me, you'll be forgiven, you'll be cleansed. Have you received this gift? Have you received His blessing? 
Have you begun your new work week? You know, Paul says in, after verses 8 and 9 that we just read that we are his workmanship. That we're created so that we might do good works. That's what this new creation is about. On, on Easter Sunday, we're, we're born and we experience this new creation. And then the rest of the week, if you'd allow me to say that, the rest of the week we grow and mature into these good works that God has given to us. Have you begun that process? Or is it already Good Friday again in your life? And certainly there are Good Fridays in front of all of us. There are struggles and, and dark days. But we experience that as a part of His new creation. The hope we have in Christ. So, is Easter over for you? You packed the bunny and the baskets away? Or are you living in this new life? Have you discovered this new week of creation that Christ began through His resurrection? Are you living these days of Easter? Or are you still trying to earn it? Are you still trying to deserve it? See, for some, the blessing is what we need to hear and where we need to, to begin. For others, it's that, that step of faith of baptism that says, I, I, I want to come and I want to share this, this gift. I want to express what God is doing in my life. I want baptism to be that marker, that Easter Sunday marker in my own life. As I profess to the world that I am a new creation and that I am living in this Easter week for the rest of my life. Let's pray.